So this morning, we continue our series on, on citizens, what it means to be citizens of heaven. And today, we're going to talk about prayer, this amazing gift that we have to have conversation with our King. Last uh, uh, Sunday, Pastor Doug kind of welcomed us into this series on the book of Philippians. The Philippians were people that lived in Philippi, that makes sense. This was a very important city in Greece, actually the first city that the Apostle Paul was sent by God to bring the gospel to. And uh, it, it had a great heritage. It was named after the father of Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great, poor guy, he, as a young man in in his 30s, after conquering, conquering much of civilization, it says he wept because he had no more worlds to conquer. <laughs> well, he left his impact. He left his impact on the Roman Empire. They were very fond of Greek culture. We see it in their architecture. That fact, that even abides today. If you go to a government building or, a, or a, a, maybe a college campus, you see these these, these echoes back to classical Greco-Roman culture, leaving an impact even today. These were two great kingdoms. In fact, they affect us as a Christian movement. We understand that the gospel first went out across Roman roads that had been built by the powerful Roman Empire. God used those roads to send the apostles out with the good news for the first time. We also realize that the Bibles that we, that we read were originally written in the Greek language. And so God used that part of their culture to, that continues to shape us even today. But this morning, we're going to talk about a kingdom that was rising in the midst of a world that had been profoundly affected by the Greeks and now was under the control of the Romans. But the sovereign Lord would use those, uh, would use those uh, empires within his sovereign will, and, and he would not challenge them. The Christian movement never challenged the Roman Empire, but it transformed it from the inside. This morning, we're going to take a look at one of the practices within the culture of the kingdom, and it's the wonderful practice of prayer. And I hope that we're encouraged this morning as we think about um, really our identity as a counterculture people. Christians have never been at the center of power, so to speak, in this world. We've, all, we've, we've typically been working from the margins that we might be salt and light, and that within a culture, Jesus prayed in that same prayer that, that, uh, that uh, Jerry read for us this morning. He said, Father, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world. We're here for a reason, you guys. I'm not praying that you take them out of the world. But I'm praying that you protect them. I'm praying that you be with them. Because they're going to be in this world, but they're not of this world. We have a higher calling, don't we? We have a first allegiance, and it's to our king who rules and reigns over the kingdom of heaven. So we'll be talking about prayer. Pastor Doug, last week, uh, um, he mentioned that heaven is our home. As citizens of heaven, uh, we don't have a heavenly passport, but our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Your name is recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life as a citizen of heaven. Isn't that awesome? And, uh, and, and it's easy for me to forget that. But you'll notice that the early church rejoiced in, in, in the fact that heaven knew about them. Heaven noticed them. And that one day we would stand before and see this Savior just as clearly as we're seeing each other today. That was our future and that was our hope. That's our home. 
Peter said that we live here as strangers and aliens, so to speak. We're, we're resident aliens. And that's not a negative thing. We're here to bless this culture that we're living in, just as Daniel did when, when he and his uh, countrymen had been taken captive to Babylon. They didn't just hunker in a bunker and complain and wait for things to get better. They made Babylon a better place, and we do that too. But how do we do that? As citizens of heaven, this morning we're going to be talking about the powerful gift of prayer. And uh, Pastor Doug said that while we're here, we're, we're ambassadors. We represent our king wherever we are. And when people come to us, they have access to our, to our king. At least that's the way it's supposed to work. And it's, it's wonderful when it does work that way. And when we go out and declare our message, the good news of Jesus, we do it with the full authority and blessing of our King. Um, I'm going to read now from Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, and we'll just think about this for a few minutes this morning. Paul and Timothy, well, I'm sorry, that's, that's verse 1. Okay, verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Could you imagine these Philippian Christians sitting probably in Lydia's house, hearing this read for the first time? It is right for me to feel this way about you. Since I have you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel. As he wrote this, by the way, he was in chains. He was in prison. The gospel all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, that you may be able, boy, do we need this today, that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. May God speak to our hearts. This is how God is discipling us as his people today. He is taking these ancient letters, which are not artifacts through a previous culture. These are living letters that continue to be how God has chosen to disciple us today as God's people. Last week, Pastor Doug quoted Pastor Jay from the West Campus. And I'm going to quote Pastor Doug, who quoted Pastor Jay. So I hope I get it straight. But in a staff meeting, Pastor Jay had mentioned, you know, he said, I, I, I'm concerned today that it seems that many of us are be, being discipled more by our, our, our cable news feed or our social media posts than we are by the Word of God. And some of us went, wow, wow. So what is shaping my view of the world? What is, shape, what is rising my emotions? What has me concerned? What's moving me? What's bringing me together with other people? Or what's dividing me from other people? So this morning, we are gonna, we're in the world. We're going to know what's going on, okay? But God has given us his word that we might be discipled in the ways of Jesus that we might be encouraged in our confidence as his people, that we might live humbly 
because we understand the power that happens in, in our lives or in this or any other church is nothing less than God himself through his Holy Spirit working in and through us. What role does prayer have to pay, play in this? Uh, some of you may be participating in some Fargo Marathon event this weekend. I don't know. Maybe you are. Some of us love to run. Some of us hate to run. Some of us like to... I, I feel when I run in, the, in, the, in these activities like I'm in third grade soccer and at the end I get a participation medal. You know what I'm saying? Okay, anyway, and some of you say, I wouldn't run unless I was getting chased by a bear. But the, the marathon comes from the Greek word marathon, which was a city, and apparently a guy named um, Aplipides, I think that's how you say his name, ran from marathon 26.2 miles to Athens to announce the victory of a battle. Okay, whatever, all right. I got into running because of my daughter's, my daughter was a sophomore at NDSU, and she says, Dad, parents weekend, then there's a fun run. You want to run a 5K with me? And inside I said, no. And outside I said, sure. And anyway, that began my little adventure with running. My other daughter, um, got, uh, she, they just moved from Duluth to San Francisco. So, yeah, okay. Can you, parents, how would we react to that? Say it with me. Oh, yeah, I know. I miss her. We're going to be out there in November and maybe we'll get to run together. She had three running buddies or a couple running buddies in Duluth and uh, they, were, they shared a neighborhood. They shared a love for running, but they were at very different places when it came to relating to God. And, and one of them actually was a, was a self-identified pagan, okay? And, and which was really interesting. I've never had a long conversation with a self-identified pagan. My daughter has. And as they got talking about God, her friend said, you know, um, when Christians used to tell me, I'll pray for you, I said, no, thank you. Don't pray for me. Why would anyone not want to be prayed for? And I don't know kind of what was going on in her heart, but as I read this, I, th I thought of her. She didn't want to be prayed for probably because of her misunderstanding of God. Because if she knew God as he really is, especially as revealed himself in Jesus Christ, who wouldn't want to be prayed for? But if you don't know him, maybe she thought these people were being a little judgy, if you know what I mean. Eventually, she realized, you know what? Even though we believe differently, when someone says, I pray for you, it means that they care for me and they're trying to be nice so I'm not offended anymore. We see a couple words in the opening verses here of, 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 this, of our text for today, beginning with verse 3. It happens right away. It says, I thank my God. Paul is talking about God as my God. Okay? This is not a God, as Paul has come to understand him. Oh, he, he is that. But the good news is, this is, this is God, as God has chosen him, had chosen to reveal himself to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul grew up knowing about God. He was a very God-soaked young man. He was brilliant. He went to the Harvard of Jewish theology. He studied at the feet of a man named Gamaliel, who everybody respected. He knew about the character of God from the Old Testament. He knew about the stories of God from the Old Testament. He knew about the holiness of God. He knew about the law of God. 
But when God came to live amongst us, the best thing that's ever happened, Paul didn't get it. He did not know God as God had revealed himself in our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he was offended by the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, it was his passion to do what he could do to stop this movement that was centered simply around a message about this man named Jesus. We learned in Acts chapter 17 that these first Christians, as they shared this message, it said that they were turning the world upside down. <laughs> anyway, this morning we, we are reminded that, that as we think about the practice of prayer and the culture of the kingdom, this amazing gift that we have as Christians, it is first of all rooted in our understanding of God. Who are we praying to? Who came to mind when Paul said, I thank my God? Paul was thinking of not only the creator, not only the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but he was thinking of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who wanted so much for us to come back into relationship with him, to know him and enjoy him forever. That as we sang, boy, we sang some powerful songs this morning. He took on flesh and came to us with the good news that he died for our sins and he lives to give us hope and he will come and dwell in our hearts and he joins us in these communities that are centered on him that when he's doing what he does in our midst and, and we allow him to have his way, that as different as we are, and in this room we're incredibly different, man, if we knew our stories, right? We'd say, man, we're in the same church. This is interesting. It is. God loves to bring different people together because he brings us all to one place. It's the, it's the foot of the cross, right? Where no matter who we've been or what we've done, we hear this powerful word, that Jesus died for our sins, all of them. The big ones, the many, the persistent ones, they no longer have a hold on us. When Paul thought of my God, he thought of how God had met him in his violent rebell rebellion and stopped him dead in his tracks. And revealed himself to him. Jesus spoke to Paul, okay? Wow, that would get my attention. <laughs> But he saved him and he turned his, right, his life around and then he sent him on a mission. So when Paul would talk about the grace of God, it was not a concept that he studied. It was an experience that he had been through that God had extended him grace. This is an interesting reality that, that, that this letter bubbles with joy. We see it here in, in the section today it, and we'll see it at least 15 more times. There is a joy in this. And it's crazy because Paul's in prison as he, as he writes this. We, we read later that, you know, even if I'm in my chains, he was in chains. He was in chains. But he's writing with a sense of love. Where does this love come from? That love is being shared in a secondary way amongst these new believers. These new believers are people that, that, that Paul understood they were, and he was, both gospel partners and gospel projects. We are called to be part of something together 
that God has chosen not to place on, 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 the, on the life of just one person, but people who are living in relationship, that the person of Jesus might have its way in this world. Paul says, my God, and that's a wonderful thing. You do too as a child of God. He's your God too. And, and he's your Savior. And his Holy Spirit dwells in all of us. So when these good things happen, it's not that we're such an amazing group of people. I like you. <laughs> but we have an amazing God who's working in us and through us. Paul talked about partnership in the gospel. It's the Greek word koinonia. When I've heard that word before, I've thought of fellowship. I thought of Christians coming together to encourage one another to drink coffee and eat carbohydrates. Fellowship, right? And that's important. But the Greek word means more than just being on couches with our Bibles open, sipping on coffee. That's important. We have brothers and sisters in Christ that are helping us get through this broken world. But it also means partnership, people who share a mission together. Yesterday morning I was reading in Ecclesiastes, which is a very depressing book. If you want to get depressed, read Ecclesiastes. But I had kind of one of these aha moments. As I was reading in Ecclesiastes, I was reading about a man who had everything and denied himself nothing. He had beautiful palaces. He had beautiful vineyards. He had beautiful people surrounding him. Anything that a man could want, he had. He denied himself nothing. And then he said, but it all seems like vanity. He was depressed, though he had everything. And I thought, for the first time, I thought, you know what? We can have everything, but if it's just about us, it's going to feel empty, right? We find joy. We find meaning. We find ourselves most alive when we're not just living for ourselves, when we're, when we're living for others. As the early church would come to understand when we're living for others. This wealthy have-it-all guy was living for himself. And you know what? That's just not going to abide. Jesus came that we might learn the joy of giving ourselves away. So we find in, in, in these opening words of this letter, as Paul's talking about prayer, he's talking about his gospel partners, and he's also talking about his gospel projects. I don't know if you use a highlighter in your Bible. You, I don't know if you use your Bible. You probably use your device, right? Anyway, but a Bible can be kind of like a journal where you can write things on the side or underline and, and whatever, and I'm not going on a rant here about not bringing your Bible to church. Oh, I think it might be a good idea. Anyway, um, <laughs> Because you can write stuff down when God speaks to you, okay? But if you were going to have a, a, a paper Bible with you and you were going to go through Philippians, you would underline a lot of stuff because there's a lot of stuff in here that's encouraging. When I encourage like confirmation students that are he heading out of childhood into adult, it's a, it's a challenge, right, into adult Christianity. When, when I give them Bible verses to encourage them, and if you're going to say, what, what book do you use the most? I'd say, truth be told, I think I use Philippians the most. There's a lot of encouraging verses in this. There's one of them here today. And it's humbling, but it's encouraging. It's verse 6. Let's read it together out loud. It's on the screen, right? Let's read it together. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus.
You know, God understands what he's getting when he gets us. Jesus saw a blue-collar fisherman by the name of Peter in a family business, and he saw what he would be. He said, you know, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Later, he would say to Peter, after Peter confessed Jesus, Peter, on this rock I will build my church. That wasn't Peter getting smarter and better and smarter and better. It was Peter coming to know Jesus in a profoundly personal and humbling and life-changing way. It was God, as revealed in Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, that was at work within him. I say that because when we're younger, we need to be reminded that we're projects. God's going to be working on us. Let's cut each other a little slack. And let's stay humble because when we sense God working, it's God working. It's what God is doing through us, not what we're doing from, for God. Amen? But, but when you get older, like I'm a little older now, I'm so glad that God's done working on me. I've arrived. I've got it made. You know what we discover? That even later in life, it's not if we have issues where God's still working. It's what those issues are, right? We're gospel partners. We're in this together. And one of the most powerful messages that we bring to a broken world is what it looks like when, when people who are very different and would probably not be in fellowship with each other, except they have the same Lord, the same King, and they've come to place their allegiance in Him. And so they're figuring out how to do life together. And they actually learn to love each other. Which brings us to the last point here. And this is in verses, uh, beginning with verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This appears in different forms in Paul's letters. And we'll read in other places in his letters, oh, I just pray that you come to know the love of Christ in its breadth and depth and just how amazing it is. This love which surpasses understanding. We need to take a step back and remember how we've been loved in Christ. Because when we forget that, and we start to look at each other apart from the humbling, life-giving reality of what he's done for us in Christ, we can be kind of tough on each other, honestly. But, and this is not an easy time to maintain our unity as the body of Christ, either within a congregation or between congregations. Truth be told, it's never been easy. But in times like this, when things seem dark, the light, the light of people who humbly understand their great need for what only Jesus can do in their lives and in their relationships is powerful. It's powerful. So this morning as we begin this letter, we understand that our prayers are shaped by our understanding of of what we mean when we say, my God. May God reveal to you in Jesus all that he is for you, that you might find great confidence and joy in humbly relying on him. We see each other for who we are. We're gospel partners, but we're also gospel projects. So we lift each other up. We love each other. Iron sharpens iron, but we do this in love. And we pray that even in this time, which is getting a little bit hard, how do I function as a citizen of heaven in a culture that's getting 
kind of edgy. Oh, may I know your love so it grants me discernment and depth of insight so I know what to do.